Okay, guys, if you don't have a glass of wine in your hand, you may want to grab one and scull it because Lord knows I am. <laughs> I tackle a lot in today's episode and it's one of those ones that I'm nervous about releasing again. Just because I show an emotion that I'm not used to showing outwardly, if at all, and that is anger. And I feel like that kind of emotion is never really portrayed well either, which is probably why I'm really nervous. But it's part of this all, right? And like, I can't just show, I don't know, I can't just show emotions that I feel like will be accepted well. Like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> Nervous. I'm <sighs> just going to take a, take a big breath. Um, but it's part of this whole experience and it's part of me. So I'm just going to be brave and I'll be vulnerable. So if you're still here <laughs> and you haven't caught out yet, and if you're ready to hear an angry Lydia, Get ready to hear me try my best to address my thoughts about skeptics calling me schizophrenic on social media, how my concussion happened, how my psychic abilities were affected by my concussion, and what my first psychic experience was like after the concussion. Because it kind of changed things. I want to say forever, but it's only been two years, so it's changed things for the past two years at least. I expect, because there's so much to chat about, there'll be a part two and a part three to this topic. So I won't blame you if you want to wait and listen to them all at once, but for those of you like me, with less willpower, let's get going, shall we? Oh, I didn't even introduce myself. Oh my gosh. I'm obviously flustered. For anyone new listening to the podcast, hello. I'm so glad that you're here. My name is Lydia and you're listening to Psychicish, the podcast where I do my very best to explain and understand the psychic experiences I have and try to figure out if they're real or just all in my head. I can hardly even speak like I just was walking home and I knew I needed to record and part of me was like Lydia go give yourself a sandwich eat some food make sure you're not just hangry settle down and it actually did help I'm glad I did that because I was like shaking before I was so angry but now I'm just at that stage where like you just have no words and it's like you kind of go into this mini state of shock and your brain just like shuts down so here I am about to talk about something that I never actually thought I would talk about or like I've sat down to try and talk about it and I've just never really been able to get the words out (sighs) 
there might be a few long pauses in today's episode. It's just because I try my best to think before I speak and it just takes a little bit to compute what I'm trying to say. It is the 29th of August and I just put up like a few screenshots on my Instagram stories about comments I've been getting on this TikTok video. So this video, how do I even describe it? It's basically just me. (laughs) It's so cringe. And this is the hard thing because like I wanted to show you the video, but I'm like, all my videos are piss takes and they're just so cringeworthy that I don't want you to think less of me. So it's just me sitting there and it's like, I guess I was just trying to be relatable, but it just didn't really hit. It was me just sitting there being like, when your boyfriend tells you how nice it is to date someone normal and his dead grandma gives you a wink or something like that. And then apparently I do a millennial zoom on it where I zoom in a little bit as I look towards the camera and apparently that's a crime in the TikTok world the funny thing is the people being like oh not the millennial zoom were people like older than me so I just don't understand I don't I don't get it but there you go you now know what it was and at the time when I posted them up there were six comments saying go take your meds this isn't real this is schizophrenia haha see a doctor Talk to someone before you hurt people. Like, all that kind of stuff. And at the time, I was like, okay, no. The best thing to do is to not respond. Like, however hard it is. And it's fucking hard. (laughs) However hard it is, don't respond. I think I responded to, like, one or two people, not angrily, just being, like, genuine. Being like, hey, I have talked to doctors about this. This actually isn't schizophrenia. Um, but who knows how things can be misunderstood over comments, like, mm. but between the time that I went to pick up some toilet paper for the flat and get home, which was all of around about 20 minutes, I went to check the activity on my TikTok, oh, and bear with, because there's construction going on in the background, but like, I kind of need to use this as therapy a little bit right now, because I just need to get it off my chest. I'm now getting a comment a minute, like this, and when it was just the six, I was like, look, there's 62,000 people that have liked this video, it's been shared like 1,200 times, and up to that point, like, for the first few weeks when it video comes out and like it gets a few views like a few million views most of the time it goes to the people that are interested in that kind of stuff you know like the algorithm kind of treats you but then as soon as you get to like the 1.4 million mark hell breaks loose (laughs) and it's hard because like on one hand I'm just like okay cool I'll done with TikTok I'll, I'll take it down But I, like, my little weird videos are actually getting to the people that I'm trying to communicate this stuff to. People like you and me, people that experience this stuff, are interested in it, are curious about it, have open minds. 
So there's so many positives for me to have this sort of stuff out there, but like the negatives just don't do very well for my rage. (laughs) And like I'm saying that as like a friends reference for anyone that likes friends. You know, when Ross just catches Monica and Chandler, what happens? Oh no, his, his wife, Emily ends up getting remarried and he yells and stuff. And so his psychologist gives him a Valium or something. And then he's just like, oh, this isn't good for my rage. That's how I feel right now. See, just talking about friends is even like, I've got a smile on my face. I feel a bit better. I think like, I'm not angry at the comments saying, hey, this is schizophrenia. I'm not angry at those because I know where those people are coming from. And those are things I've thought myself about myself for my entire life. And I still do. Like, so it's not like I don't think those thoughts all on my own. They've definitely been there. I just don't shout it from the rooftops, you know. (laughs) It's more just... It's more the judgment of something or calling someone something without actually knowing what that something is, which is schizophrenia. And I've been through this really long journey with wondering if I've got that, wondering if I don't. And I'm going to take you on that little bit of a journey. There's so many layers to this story. It honestly might take like four episodes to figure it all out. So this is probably part one of a few. But... I'm getting ahead of myself. This wondering of whether I had schizophrenia and stuff all came to a head before I started the podcast. And just after an unexpected event took place back in that lovely year that we all remember, 2020, it wasn't COVID related, which is actually quite refreshing, I think, for something shitty to happen that isn't to do with COVID. But one of the questions that I didn't have time to answer in last week's episode can be answered today. It was, how did you get your concussion? If you're comfortable talking about it, that was the question. And, um, I mean, I wasn't going to talk about it. It's honestly something so... I'm struggling to find the word. So mundane. (laughs) I, um, I was a bit of a keen netball player and the morning of my concussion, I was in a rough netball game and I'm, I'm tall. I'm like five, ten and a half. So I'm a shooter and two heads clonked mine, the defender's heads as we all went to get a ball. And I was kind of like the meat in a head sandwich, I guess. Um, And I didn't feel very good after that, but I also hadn't been feeling very good for a few weeks. So there's a possibility I could have had a bit of a head knock a few weeks beforehand as well. But that night, I just was at a friend's place that I hadn't been to before, a big old Wellingtonian house. I thought the door in their house was super heavy when I got up to go to the bathroom, so I yanked it. I was really strong. I was going to year 45. I had all these muscles. (laughs) And I 
yanked it straight onto my head, right between the eyes, right on the bridge of my nose. And I was super worried actually that I was going to get a nosebleed because um, I've had nosebleeds in the past that haven't stopped for a few hours and I've had to go to the doctor and things like that to get them cauterized. So I, I saw stars, but I just didn't, I didn't think anything of it. And then I just kind of thought I had a migraine for a few days, but the migraines I used to get as a kid with an aura would usually stop after I threw up once and would stop like after 24 hours. But I remember one of my old bosses telling me that when she got older, her migraines got worse. And so they used to just be 24 hours long and then came to a time where they ended up being like three days long so I just had that in my mind I was like okay I hadn't had a migraine in quite a few years this is just a migraine because like my vision was impaired my head was splitting open and if I moved I felt like I was going to throw up I went to work the Monday after it happened and um I don't know just had a bit of screen aversion like it just made my head really hurt to look at the screen. I just needed to close my eyes. I was exhausted, like just a level of tired I've never been. And I kept reading sentences that some of my complainants had sent through and deriving a completely different meaning from them than it was meant to have. Like I'd read a sentence and I think it would mean something and then I'd read it again and it would mean something else and I'd read it a third time and it would read something completely different and so my brain just wasn't working and I was like okay gosh like at about three o'clock I was like I'm just gonna go and do the crossword in the break room give my eyes a break from the screen because I just really couldn't handle it and I was sitting and doing this crossword which I do every day I love crosswords and I looked down and I'd noticed that one of the words, one of the crossword answers was the word because, and I just left a letter off the end. Like I'd just written B-E-C-A-U-S. And that is just not like me. And so I thought, something's not right here, must be a migraine, went home sick. And then because it didn't get better, I just stayed home. And then the third day that I was home, my boss messaged me and was like, hey, you're coming into work today. And I didn't feel any better. But like the way I was raised was that if like you're not vomiting or not bleeding, you're fine. And I don't know. I just, I'm a, I'm a people pleaser at heart, you know, so I just didn't want to let my boss down. So I went into work and I took one step in and my colleagues were like, Lydia what's wrong and I don't know what they were talking about but they said I didn't look like myself and I sat down and and they just sent me home immediately and I came back the next day same thing this is when my vision started to get really bad I'd see two of everything um and yeah by the third day it was a Friday that I'd come back to work my boss sat me down and was like I'm not letting you go home until you've seen a doctor because they could tell something was really up and like I was really scared at this point like apparently I called my mum and said I can't remember things I can't talk properly like I was 
mixing up the syllables of words around. I was like, I feel like I've had a stroke. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Like I thought maybe I had like a brain tumor. Like I just, I just was so scared. And, um, at this point, like for about five or six weeks, my boyfriend and I weren't living in the same place and I remember him coming to work and seeing me and I told him what I was feeling and he just said, Lit, it sounds like a concussion. And I'd seen his family members have concussions and as someone with emetophobia, which you now know about, a concussion was like my worst nightmare because you throw up and you don't stop throwing up for like a very long time. I hadn't thrown up but my nausea was at a level of 10 out of 10 all day every day like I thought I was going to throw up all day and yeah anyway I went to the doctor concussion I'm sorry it's just like it's a really hard thing for me to talk about not because of the concussion itself not because of the impact but because I get very angry and frustrated about how my case was handled by medical professionals um, who just didn't know what they were doing, quite honestly. So long story short, the first doctor I saw didn't really know what to do with the concussion, so didn't give me any advice. So I just went home and would just sleep because there was nothing else I could do I wouldn't be able to sleep during the night it took me like three to four hours to try and get to sleep but then oh, oh it's just so hard to explain it's literally so hard to explain and there'll be details that I'm missing out as well um sorry the reason why I'm a bit like about it is because yeah today's the two-year anniversary of it happening so I just get a lot of emotions on these days it basically just got to a point that like someone would talk to me and I wouldn't be able to follow what they were saying so I wouldn't be able to follow more than one person talking at once my brain would just freeze it would it would shut down I would go to say something and I'd forget what I was talking about halfway through the sentence. But then if I ended up getting the sentence out, I'd realize that I'd already said the sentence about two or three times. I was so dizzy. I couldn't walk without assistance. I was so exhausted. I couldn't brush my teeth. Like I couldn't even stand up for that long. I remember Dan coming to cook me dinner one night because I had no center of balance. I couldn't sit up for long enough to eat it, so I had to go back to bed, and that would have been all of about 10 minutes, I think. I lost control of my eyes. You don't even think that that's possible until it happens, but it's a lot of muscles in our eyes, and our brain really tells our eyes <laughs> how to take in information, process that information, apply meaning to that information and then store that information. So that was all gone. So for instance, my eyes were just um, uh, 
it's almost like they'd vibrate 24 7 so that would also give you motion sickness <laughs> so I'd lie there with a jumper really close to my head and I'd just try and focus on the jumper and because the jumper itself was fuzzy it didn't scare me as much as like when I'd look at my curtains say next to my window that would just be moving 24 7 and, and cause my brain like a lot of stress they also didn't work in the in the sense that my brain couldn't process auditory information either so if it was a windy day outside which is very common in Wellington my eyes would try and follow the sound to see where the sound came from so they were just doing circles it was really attractive <laughs> um, and what else I mean I had like severe light aversion so I'd have the curtains drawn in my room um, and have sunglasses on all day, every day. It took me a year to start trying to not wear sunglasses outside. We started with one minute and then eased our way up to seven minutes over four months. Um, if I'd take my sunglasses off, my head, which was already feeling like it was going to explode, the pain would just multiply and intensify. And what I found is that if I was doing something that was too intense for my brain to handle, it would make my headache, if you can even call it a headache, it is not a big enough word to call it what it was, it would make that worse. And then if I didn't listen to it, I'd get nausea, that would get even worse, but like the nausea wasn't constant as well. And then if I didn't listen to that, the room or the world would start spinning and I'd lie on the ground and feel like I was falling through it. So it's pretty much like the first eight to nine months were like being so drunk, you have the spins. You can't talk, you can't write, you can't read, you can't see, you can't stand, you can't do anything. So I spent a good year staring at the ceiling of my room and then I somehow got enough courage to change doctors and got someone who really actually understood concussions which was very lucky for me and in New Zealand you kind of get assigned like a concussion service and I didn't get assigned to a concussion service I got assigned to a head injury service and the information that I was being given to minimize symptom intensity was actually exacerbating it but if I'd say that to my occupational therapist that she just didn't believe me she just she'd say that she had another case where something worse happened to them and that would be the end of it. And if I'd say something like, I can't walk outside, she'd just say, well, why? And I'd say, I'm so dizzy that I can't stand on my own two feet. I have to be held up by Dan. She'd just say, why? And I'm just like, are you fucking serious? Like, you tell me why. You're the expert. So she gave me all these exercises to do to to try and help the headaches, help the dizziness, and 
It wasn't until I saw a neurooptometrist to help test what my eyes were doing that she said that my concussion was so much more severe than she expected. Um, she asked me what kind of things I was doing and basically all the exercises I'd been given were making my symptoms worse, making my concussion worse. So I asked to change concussion providers and luckily since then, so it took about a year, I've been on a really slow journey to getting back to where I was cognitively before this all happened. I hope I'm close, but you just never know. Like you think you're really close and then something new happens and you're just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm super grateful to have had the intervention from that second concussion service and and so it's now been deemed an iatrogenic injury which means that the like intensity of the injury and the recovery time of the injury are prolonged due to poor medical advice and I was told at the time by the neuropsychologist that deemed my injury an iatrogenic injury that that is a very rare thing to kind of like diagnose or deem because of the weight it has when it comes to the doctor or the medical professional in question so I don't know as you can imagine it was like the lowest time in my life because I was like facing my phobia all day, every day, for 18 months. I found myself, I found myself feeling like I wasn't representing the entire experience very well. I was talking about the symptoms, um, but you don't really get like a slice of life with that. And I think the hardest thing for me to grapple is that there was no day off. Like usually with an illness, like there's some days where you kind of feel better or, oh, I don't know, maybe I'm generalizing. But take anxiety, for instance. It's like some days you're having panic attacks, but some days you're not and you're okay. Like this was the spins for like eight months straight. You don't get a break on your birthday. You don't get a break on Christmas. Yeah, so I just... I wrote something down as I was editing and I'll just read it out to you. felt like this was the right time in the episode to address it. I was isolated socially and cognitively. It took three months from the initial injury for my brain to conjure a thought. My mind was just blank for three months until then. One day, Dan came home to surprise me at lunchtime, and I was in the kitchen crying. I'd been trying to cut a cucumber into slices, but I didn't have the energy, or I couldn't concentrate, or I couldn't control my hands well enough to cut the cucumber into slices. I told him nothing different had really happened, and he asked me if crying during the day was common for me at the moment, and I just said yes. Um, from that point on we kept a tally of how often I'd cry during the day and I think the worst was 12 times a day at one point 
I'd often cry when feeling an emotion, no matter if it was good or bad, because my brain couldn't process emotion either. So when my boyfriend's family dog passed away, we got called and told about it, and I just felt like I was going to throw up. I, I felt nausea, and then... I think my boyfriend had been away for a weekend and I just couldn't wait to see him and I was really excited to see him and the room started spinning and I um, wanted to throw up again. So it was like any emotion I had, whether good or bad, so weird, like, because you can't really suppress the emotion, but it definitely took time to learn how to process those again or I guess maybe just my brain had enough rest over time to be able to process those again um but another annoying thing was that no one could see what was wrong with me if they didn't know me so since my communication was so severely delayed in the beginning if I went to the supermarket or something and the cashier asked me a question I'd just end up staring at them until my brain started working and people didn't really know how to respond to that so you just do silly things because your brain tries to rely on muscle memory so I remember I did things like I try to open our front door lock and I I spent about 10 minutes trying to find my keys and I finally found them and I went to unlock the door but I was holding my cash flow card so I thought they were my keys and like this is slightly more embarrassing. I feel like I'm going to get told off from my mum for this. But I remember going to the bathroom. But instead of like unbuttoning my pants, I unzipped my hoodie and just sat on the toilet in my pants. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> You're never going to be able to look at me the same. <laughs> Those little things just all piled up and it. It made me feel stupid, so stupid, and I know it's a silly thing to get upset over, but as you know by now, I'm a pretty insecure person. My whole life I've been shy and I've been insecure, but the one thing that I felt that I had, that I was proud of, that I didn't have to rely upon anyone else for, that was all my own my one redeeming quality in my eyes was my intellect. At the end of the day, looks and fashion and psychic stuff could be set aside at work. And work was where I could apply myself and apply my brain. And it would feel good and I'd feel satisfied. I'd feel challenged. But this one thing, and I know, oh, it's so privileged to say it. This one thing that I was proud of was taken away and it was a pretty low point for me to accept that I wouldn't be smart anymore. So there was just a lot more underneath the surface rather than just facing a phobia all day. It was like, it felt like, like the only way I could describe it maybe is like having a temporary disability but no one could see it. I don't have nausea every day now, which is nice.
but like it happened when I turned 26. So I've had this really big time where like my friends are getting engaged, they're getting married, they're having children, they're getting promotions and they're living and my life has just stayed in the same spot. Like nothing has changed for me in my world. Now it has because I've moved overseas, but that's just because like I'm still recovering. I can recover from anywhere. I can choose the scenery where I try to recover from. Um, So like even this podcasting was in the beginning a way to help me try and integrate screen time into my life again because when I changed doctors the way that we had to reset my brain to like a baseline level of no symptoms was to sit and do nothing for three hours and then do an activity until the headache would get worse by more than three out of ten I think like on a pain scale and at the beginning uh, so I'd and that would be like a shower or cooking something or reading or doing a word search or something like that and in the beginning it was two minutes until I had to rest for three hours again and then it was just like that cycle had a lot of muesli because I couldn't really concentrate on putting meals together I couldn't be on my feet for that long and I'd just end up fainting so um yeah but we've slowly slowly worked that up and up and up and at the moment I'm like doing what's called a return to work program where we're trying to engineer a situation kind of like what work would be so like an amount of screen time an amount of conversation because like I've had to relearn how to have conversations with people in conversations with two people three people in a cafe in a library while walking just like all these different factors um sorry I know that I'm rambling but there's just so much that goes on with it like it's really it's really been like the lowest lowest time of my life dealing with so much pain mentally physically and emotionally I've definitely grieved the person I was and that time in my life because if I had things my way I would have liked to have started a family at the age of 28 I'm almost 29 and there's no way I could even think about doing that while I'm not even being able to get back to work yet or when um, my brain's not fully healed, my body's not fully healed. My family's saying like lots funnier now, which is nice, but I honestly just think it's because I just used to be so socially anxious that I'd try and think about what I was going to respond to someone saying in a conversation and I'd, I'd go through all the scenarios in my head of how that would be perceived and, and what it would sound like and things like that. And then by the time I'd choose what to say, the conversation would have moved on. So you match that with a resting bitch face and like you just get this like quiet, sullen girl. Um, but now my brain actually doesn't have the energy to do that so I'm a bit more of a human being which is nice Um, but 
that's all you need to know about my injury. I'm getting better. There's definitely days where it gets me down, but there's day like more days than that where I'm just so grateful for being where I am. I honestly never thought I was going to recover when it was just getting worse and worse for that first year. So I mean, I'm grateful to be sitting right now. I'm grateful to be talking. I'm grateful that I was just able to make myself a sandwich and eat it and not need to throw up. I'm grateful I'm not wearing sunglasses inside. (laughs) You know, just lots of things. Anyway, there is actually a connection between how that concussion stuff affected my psychic stuff. I hate, I hate, I hate to do this to you, but I have run out of time. So I'm going to try and suck up to you by giving you a sneak peek into the next episode, part two of this topic. I'm very aware that we didn't really get to talk about anything ghosty today, and that's what you guys like to hear about most, right? So I'm giving that to you in a very short stint. I know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'll see you tomorrow on my Instagram at Psychic-ish Podcast if you have any questions or thoughts for the question box. I'm sorry, wear a helmet always. If you like the podcast, please share it with someone. I'm going to say goodbye and then you'll hear the little snippet. So best of luck getting to sleep tonight. As I said, wear a helmet. Bye-bye. So in part two, you're going to hear all about how the concussion affected my psychic stuff or maybe how the psychic stuff affected the concussion I don't really know what the right way is around there but luckily there will be ghosty spirity stuff in there too kind of a little bit like this I remember I was going to sleep one night and I hadn't had anyone come through to me in about two months which is dream case scenario I don't always enjoy when they come through and I don't remember I remember my brain kind of realizing that I could hear singing and it was a lady's voice and I kind of focused in on it and I couldn't recognize the song but then I could start to see this lady dancing in like this ballroom with wooden floors, wooden walls 